Well, good morning, good morning. Lots of excitement. So glad to hear you guys are excited about the fall. Well, good morning, church. If you're new or visiting for the first time, an extra special welcome. So excited to have our kids in service with us this morning, so welcome to you guys. And if you're watching online, good morning, welcome. Glad you're able to join us. So my name is Nicole Pearson. I'm on the board of trustees here at the church, and it's my pleasure to be up here just sharing with you guys some of the announcements happening at church. So first of all, I want to tell you, LJCC is a family of families, and our goal is to help everyday people walk with Jesus every day. And we can do that better in connection with you. So I would like to draw your attention to your connection card that's in your bulletin. Um, we'd love for you to just fill it out. Tell us you're here today. Maybe tell us something new about you that we don't know, birthday, anniversary, whatever you want to share with us. Just fill that out. We'd love to just know you're here. And then on the reverse side is the prayer card. And we're a church rooted in prayer. It would be our honor to pray for you. Our staff prays every week for the prayer requests that come in. And we also have a team of prayer warriors who are just um, raising all those requests up in prayer. So go ahead. I'm going to give you actually a couple of seconds to fill that out right now. So reach in your seat back pocket, pull out that pen, and just scribble something on that card. You can write a smiley face, whatever you want to do, but just let us know you're here. So go ahead and do that. Thank you. And when the ushers come by with the baskets, that'd be a perfect time to put that in there. So thanks for doing that with us this morning. Okay, a couple of important dates that we want to draw to your attention. First of all, we have our annual fall kickoff celebration coming up. Mark your calendar for September 9th. We are celebrating 13 years as a church family. So we want to bring all of our members together, people in the community, and just celebrate. We're going to have fun things for the kids. We're going to have a delicious brunch. And we're going to have baptisms this year, which we're really excited about. So the whole thing happens from 9 to 1. Baptisms are after the second service. And if that's something that's on your heart, you want to renew your commitment to Christ, or if it's your first time doing that, let Ian know and he'll be sure to reserve a space for you there. And then also we have our fall Bible study starting, the book of Exodus. And that's going to be starting on September 12th. Wednesday nights in the Welcome Center from uh, 7 to 8.15, led by Phil and Diane Jemmett, who are amazing Bible teachers. So you definitely don't want to miss out. This Bible study is for everybody, whether you don't know where Exodus is in the Bible or you can, you know, open it with your eyes closed. You can go to that Exodus study. So we want to just invite you all to that as well. And so from here, I'd like to bring up Pastor Steve to open us in prayer. Thanks, Nicole. Uh, we're going to pray, and uh, the way we're going to pray today is I'm going to start out praying, uh, thanking God for us being here and, and, and recognizing his greatness and his glory and, and, and expressing our absolute need for him. But then I'm going to invite you to pray, and, and one of the things you see in the Bible is people calling out to God, crying out to God, especially when there's things that are heavy on their heart or things that they're concerned about, especially things that are too big for them to handle on their own or to, or to solve on their own. So this morning early, I went by... Scripps Memorial Hospital to see a friend who had a seizure this week, and he's in this wild contraption that slowly turns him around so that he can, he doesn't drown, you know, while he's in this coma. 
And so it was heartbreaking to stand there to see somebody I love dearly and, and I've had great you know, experiences with and, and what can I do for him? And, and all I could do was call out to God for him. I talked to him, I, I, I hope he can hear me, I don't think so, but maybe he could. But maybe, maybe I wanted to talk to God on his behalf. Isn't that an incredibly comforting thing to be able to do? When we come to the end of our power to influence or, or help, to say, Lord, you are here. And I cry out to the Lord. And I trust that he will answer uh, my prayer and our prayers at, at, at just the right time and just the right way. Perhaps not exactly the way we thought, but in a way that will be best. Um, and so this is where we trust in God in very, very practical ways. I would hate to have to stand in front of my friend at the hospital and go, man, bummer, dude. I'm so sorry. But to say, this is, this is a hard thing. We're with you, and the Lord is with you, and then to pray for him. And so that's what I'm going to invite you to do. And so I'm going to ask you to pray two things. <clears throat> um, uh, to thank God for something in your life. And then to pray for somebody that you love dearly or concerned about or just happy for, whatever the issue is. And say their name and what it is. So I'd say for my friend Lee Healing. Uh, and, and we're going to, because there's so many of us here, and you know how hard that is to, when you're in a group of people praying and you're waiting for somebody to end, but you want to start praying for something before somebody else begins, it can get very awkward. We're going to solve that super easily. We're all going to pray at the same time. <laughs> and so it might feel a little odd to you, but it's not odd. It's very much uh, what God invites us to do. So I'm going to start out and I'm going to say, okay, let's, let's offer our thanks and our prayers to God. And, and immediately I want you to, to pray out loud. Uh, forget about the people around you. Just say, Lord, here's what I'm thankful for. And then whatever name comes to your heart and mind, call out that name to God. And, and, and simple, you know, a word attached to it for what you're praying, okay? We are a family of families. This is part of the great privilege of being a family of families. We get to do things like this that allow us to be real with each other before God together. So, Lord Jesus, uh, we honor and glorify you. You are awesome. You are mighty. All things were created through you for you. Uh, you have come into the world to give us hope, to remind us uh, of who we are, and so for that we, we glorify you. We lift up your name in song, in prayer, in sermon. We want to turn our attention to you, to find the hope that you've given us. We want our souls to rest in you, to be able to be renewed in you, uh, to be refreshed by you. And so, Lord, we confess uh, our absolute need for what you alone can provide, a deep sense of your abiding presence that gives us life. We thank you for the grace and the love that allows us to feel absolutely alive, even in the face of life's overwhelming circumstances. And so, Lord, because of that, we want to thank you. We want to lift up those uh, people that we, we want to pray for. And so uh, here are prayers of thanksgiving and uh, our prayers for people.
Lord Jesus, we thank you that you hear our prayers. You, you know our needs. Uh, you care about the people whose names we lift up to you. Lord, we thank you that we can turn to you, and not just in moments of crisis, uh, but every moment as we walk one day at a time in your grace and live one day at a time by your love. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a hope that is not just a passive or a, a version of wishful thinking, but you've given us, given us an active hope that allows us to engage the world in your name, to comfort and confront as necessary, to encourage, to challenge, to be curious, to be confident, to be humble, uh, to be able to laugh and to be able to cry. So for the, all that, Lord, we thank you for giving us a fullest sense of being a person alive in you and for you and through you. I pray that for each person here. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us a purpose and a mission in life, that we are learning from you, from your word, not that we're just to live for ourselves, but we're to live together for you. We're to experience every good and perfect gift from you because you are the giver of every perfect gift. And from the fullness of who you are, you bless us with every blessing. So we thank you for the families here today. We thank you that we're a family of families, whether we're here alone, with no relatives around us. We thank you for the relatives who are around us. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for this new year, uh, students return to school. We pray that you give them everything they need to thrive and grow and to have an imagination that includes you leading them and guiding them. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I am so delighted to welcome Ian O'Mara, who's going to be preaching today. So please welcome Ian. Well, thank you. Good morning. We're finishing our uh, Renew series. And preparing for this, it, it reminded me of a story. My wife and I lived in Mississippi for a while. And uh, one day we decided, hey, we're going to take a uh, bayou tour. It was on sale which could have been a first indicator that maybe it wasn't the best idea. But we're going to take this bayou tour, and it was like almost stereotypical. You go down this dirt path, you get on this boat, it's got the big fan in the back, you got little seats in the front, and there's a guy wearing suspenders and the hat. He's like, come on, y'all, let's go. We jump on this boat, and we're going around, and he's pointing out the vegetation. Oh, that tree is good for this, and that plant is good for that. And, oh, this is a historical site over here. Oh, that's from the Civil War over there. But as we went through the bayou, which is really code for swamp uh, and mosquito, I started to notice these mounds of dirt. I was like, oh, look at these mounds. Well, then more mounds, and then the mounds started getting closer. I'm like, are those eyes? Then it became like one of those storybook things. Like, what big eyes you have? What big teeth you have? That's an alligator. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's the swamp. It's the bayou. There's and they're all, I mean, the slower you go, the more they come around. They want to see what's going on. They might have been a little hungry. It was lunchtime. I was like, how do you, how do you keep people safe? He's like, come on, man. I just worry about the closest alligator to the boat. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Just worry about the closest. And it, it seemed like, oh, that's such a simple kind of rudimentary thing. And I was like, you know what? That's actually a life lesson. You know, when I'm going about my day, when I'm trying to schedule my life, whether I'm working, whether I'm in school, whether it's family, I'm just going to focus on the closest alligator in the boat. And then that, give that my attention. Then focus on the next closest one. Well, today we're talking about commitment. What commitment usually suggests for most of us is it, it's something that's intentional, something that requires our focus. 
Uh, we're going to commit to something. We're giving our word. We're giving our honor. We're going to keep it. We're going to do this thing. However, sometimes our commitments slip away. I mean, all of us understand commitments. We're committed to a spouse. We're committed to our kids. We're committed to jobs. We're committed to school. We have a club, a cause, something. We're committed to something. We understand that. We have tons of commitments if we're thinking about them right now. But do we think about the priority we place on them? Do we look at them as, this is the most important, or is this just the closest alligator to my boat? What are the important commitments? We know there's only so many hours in a day. There's only so many weeks in a year. What are we going to focus on? Well, today we're going to talk about three areas of commitment that we need to renew, or that we should consider renewing. Renewing our commitment to God's word, renewing our commitment to God's people, and renewing our commitment to God's commission. And if you have your, your bulletins on the back, there's a sermon outline. So you can take notes, you can jot down things. You, this will be interactive, so have a pen ready. I was just reading that there's a, a, a disturbing trend within the church, the Christian church. It's called biblical illiteracy. Where people are uh, not understanding the basic concepts. Christians are not understanding the basic concepts of the Bible or knowing basic facts about it. Asking people, how many disciples? Well, name a disciple. Or how many disciples? I don't know. Three? <laughs> name a gospel. Jesus. No, he is the gospel. But name a gospel. What about how do you get saved? And the, the, here's the disturbing part. An overwhelming percentage of people and Christians who are asked say salvation is by good works, working hard. And if you read the Bible, you know that's not the case. It's through Jesus. It's through faith in Christ. So when we think about renewing our commitment to God's word, God's people, and God's commission, we're like, hey, those are basics, right? I got that when I became a Christian. You know, I learned, hey, God's word, you read it. God's people, you get together with them. And God's commission, you go do it, right? Boom, boom, boom. Well, I was talking to a friend of mine. He's the, the baseball coach over at UCSD. I said, hey, how important are the basics to you? You know, basics in baseball, you throw, you catch, you hit. How many people play baseball? How many people watch baseball? How many people don't watch baseball? Ah, my people. <laughs> but I said, how important are the basics? He said, they're very important. They're important in the summer. They're important in spring training. And they're just as important before you go to the championship. The basics are important. Going over and over the basics. We think sometimes that we read the Bible, it's just a linear path. Hey, I read that, I'm good. No, it's a spiral. The more we read it, it's God's living word. The deeper it goes, the deeper it goes. So today we're going to be talking first about renewing our commitment to God's word. And we're going to do this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14 and going on to 6, 17. This is Paul's letter to his protege, Timothy. We had a great series on this, and, and you could go back and watch that. I think this was February when we got into 2 Timothy. But here he's writing to Timothy, and he wants to encourage him. Because Timothy, in the first century, is living in a world that's hostile to the gospel. People don't believe Jesus is who he says he is. And people are doubting the word of God. People are living for themselves. And here's Timothy trying to figure it out in his church. What am I supposed to do? So Paul offers him this. He says, in the midst of all this turmoil, all this chaos, all this uncertainty, this is what I want you to do. He starts in verse 14. But for you, Timothy, he's talking to, continue what, I, what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy, 
You have known the whole scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In the face of all that's going on for Timothy, he tells him to remain, to abide, to stay committed to his faith. Stay committed to the Holy Scriptures. These truths will make us wise. Now, there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. You could read the Bible, know all about the Bible. You could read any subject and know all about the subject. But if you do nothing with it, with that knowledge you gain, you don't find wisdom. You don't become wise. Paul goes on to set this up. He tells him in verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture means all scripture. We know that. We see all. We know it's all scripture. At this point, Paul's referring to the Old Testament, but a little bit later, Peter, in 2 Peter 3.16, 3.16s are really big in the Bible, through those, he tells, he writes that even Paul's letters are authoritative scripture. He goes on by saying that all scripture is God-breathed. It's an interesting term, God-breathed. Some translations say God-inspired. Yes, it's God-inspired, but I think God-breathed brings more of a clarity of what Paul's talking. If you don't know a lot about the Bible, you're not sure about inspiration, mark the first week of October. Our Pathways class is coming up. Sign up. If you've been through before, sign up again because the word just goes deeper and deeper. But I think that God breathed paints the picture we want to see, the picture that Paul wants us to see. Here's Paul, a Jew of Jews, a Pharisee of Pharisee. I think he's casting us against the story of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and he spoke things into existence. He said, let there be light. There was light. Thank you. <laughs> Out of God's mouth, creation. <laughs> Amen, Liz. <laughs> In the second chapter, God breathes into mankind, and humanity gains life. So I think Paul wants us to understand that what's coming out of God's mouth, you need to stop, collaborate, and listen. 90s babies, you got me. You feeling me? Stop, collaborate, and listen. When he wants you to say that whatever's coming out of the mouth of God is a game changer. It's a world shaper. Literally. Take notice. Take notice. All scripture is God-breathed. And this is an important facet to, con to consider because as that biblical illiteracy is growing, more and more people are doubting God's word. They're looking at it as like, well, is the Bible relevant today? I think not. It's not really politically correct. It's an ancient text. How does it apply to me? I don't, I don't want nothing to do with it. You know what, though? I do like this story. I'm buying that. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying take it all. It's not a Pokédex. It's not trading cards. You don't get to pick one of your favorite out of the 66 and say, I'm going to follow that one. You know, Philemon, I can even memorize that. It's like, what, 20 verses? He's saying all scripture. And what is all scripture good for? It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I think that list is there for a purpose. It's to give us a track that we're supposed to follow. Now, some of us are thinking, rebuking? Honey, get my, get my good stone. We're going to have a stone, and we're going to be rebuking people today. And some of us are looking, ooh, you know, the Bible tells us we're supposed to love one another. I, I, I can't rebuke or correct this. God will work that out for him. True. 
But God also uses us to work that out for each other. He also uses the Bible to work it out in ourselves. If we just stop with rebuking, the process becomes incomplete. We're to rebuke, correct, and train in righteousness. When you rebuke someone, they're going the wrong direction. You're going the wrong direction. Oh, correct. Let me change course. And then you walk with that person through that correction. And you lead them back to training in righteousness. That's what God the word does to us. That's what we do with each other. It's not a static thing. It's dynamic. We just don't leave it at rebuking. We go through the whole process. We walk together. When people are going through hard times, they may need a little bit of a loving rebuke. But they need the loving correction and the loving training in righteousness. So what does that mean? What is it? What's the purpose of this? It's so we can be thoroughly equipped for the good works that God has for us. This process is intentional. Now, some, some that doubt the Bible, some that are, are confused by it, might say, well, what's the purpose of the Bible? Is it relevant for today? No, it wasn't relevant to Timothy, obviously, in the first century. Hey, if you look back when Moses was writing it, it wasn't relevant for his culture either. Because the Bible isn't about being relevant. It's about changing the world. It's God's breath. God's word. The question to ask is, is culture relevant to the Bible? The Bible answers some fundamental questions. Why am I here? Wait, how am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to do? What is love? How do I love? What does it mean to be loved? It gives us stuff like values, identity, purpose, direction, things that people scream for on a daily basis. There is bookstores full of self-help that tell you how to find values, get your identity, find your purpose, and go in a direction. But the Bible's right there. We must renew our commitment to God's word because it's the basics. It's the fundamentals. It's the foundation that helps us become equipped to serve him. Here's an interesting little fact. If you, if you read on the internet, there's Lifeway Research, there's Barna Group, even the American Bible Society offers a state of the Bible once a, year, once a year. And here's something that I found interesting. Those who regularly read the Bible have less fear, less anxiety, less stress. Can you imagine that? Instead of going to the fridge, going to grab a drink, grabbing to the store, going to work out, going to get on your computer, we owe to God's word and we open it and say, hmm, can you imagine that? However, we've got to have a plan. Bible is not sound bites. Jesus wept. Oh, that's nice. Jesus is, he's just so emotional. I just love it. Where was that at? Oh, I was in Luke. No, John. Mark. Matthew. No, it's in the New Testament because I know it talks about Jesus. But someone told me once that the whole Bible speaks of Jesus, so I know it's somewhere in the 66. <laughs> They're not sound bites. They're not memes. They're transformational truths. So here's the thought. Every week we send out an email. If you don't get the weekly email, sign up for it. Go to the website, ljcc.org. Sign up for the weekly email, and you'll get this amazing tool. It's called the Read, Think, Pray. Now, most of us think that's just the title of the email, right? No, it's actually a process of how you can read the Bible and make it purposeful for your life. You read the word. You think about it. How does this apply to me? What is he saying? What 
does that mean? Then you pray, Lord, help me apply this today. Help me to apply this in my life. Read, think, pray. Here's the amazing part. How many people know kids, are a kid, have seen kids? Everybody should raise your hand. There's kids in the room. <laughs> this is an amazing tool for even children. Anybody. Read, think, pray. Here's a kid's Bible. We have these outside. It's called the Action Bible. This is very popular in the Bible bookstore back in the children's ministry. Can you imagine if you open this up and you sat down with a kid, the one that maybe is your grandchild, is, is your child, is your sibling, is a friend, is a neighbor, you're a big brother or big sister too, and you open and you said, you read the Bible and you say, what do you think? Let's pray about that. Can you imagine the process of your lane, the foundation of your lane? Maybe it's, oh, you know, that story of Noah. Yeah, what do you think of that? Oh, God loves animals. Okay. He does. But there's a bigger picture in that story. Let's talk about that. This will be out in the, on the book table. If you don't have a Bible or you want a Bible, you want to give a Bible away to a neighbor out there in the foyer, grab a Bible. Take it. Put God's word into action. Well, this brings us to our second point. Renew your commitment to God's people. For this one, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 25. And here the author of Hebrews says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Just to summarize what chapter 10 is talking about, the author emphasizes if Christ is the one who he says he is, he has brought a new way, a living way, a way that washes our sins away. He has created an opportunity through his death that we could come into the presence of God. Now, if Christ is the Savior, he is your Savior, we are to do two things. Hold unswervingly to the hope. And number two, we're to stick together. The author tells the people to hold to their hope because he's answering a problem. He's talking about a situation. People obviously are not holding on to their hope. They're being traumatized by the life around them. They're being tempted to go a different way. They're doubting whether Jesus is what he says. Is Jesus coming back? Am I saved? What am I doing here? What is the purpose of all this? People are doubting. He's telling, he's telling them, hold on to your faith. Hold on to it unswervingly. Like a rope you don't want to let go because you don't want to fall. Do you ever have doubts? You ever have fears? You ever have concerns? Are you ever woke up or are you driving or whatever it is and you think about these, these events, these traumas, these hurts, and they haunt you? They pop up? Times where the negative voices are telling you, you're not worthy, you're a loser, why do you even matter? It doesn't count. Do you have those situations in your life? Do you ever question, like, man, am I really a Christian? Do I really believe all this? Am I willing to invest in this? Why am I here? Am I here because my parents told me to come? Am I here because I want to draw closer to God? Am I here because I want to find out more about this God? This is as common today as it was in the first century. These concerns, these doubts, these pains, the world's still going to go around. The things are still going to tempt you, but you need to hold to your faith. And when you hold to your faith, we do that. How do we do it? Number two, we stick together. 
We're better together. It's one of our values here. We're committed to getting together. However, sometimes we read this verse, you know, don't forget meeting together, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, and we use it as, hey, get into a community group. Yay, small group's the way to go. You will be so blessed. You will be so loved. You will have so many good deeds. Get, 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 get. That's consumer. That's incomplete. It's incomplete because this, this verse is not about reception. It's about action. It's about going and spurring others on towards love and good deeds. It's about supporting others. We're supposed to give encouragement as Christians, not expect it. Can you imagine that? We're supposed to give it and not expect it. It's important to us because if you read that chapter, the author is emphasizing that Christ has blessed us so we can bless others. Can you think about that? Christ has blessed us so we can bless others. If you're a tweeter, a twitterer, that will tweet. That's 45 characters. And if you're really skippy, you can put my name on it and you're still good. Pastor Ian said, boom. Just kidding. But it's so relevant. It's so true. Christ has blessed us so we can bless others. What are we going to do with that? Why is it so important? Recently, it's been alleged that I uh, ran a 5K in a penguin suit. Okay, maybe it was more, it wasn't this, it was more. All right, maybe it was a lot more of this. <laughs> oh, dear Lord, it's hot. But it was interesting, people got, they got pictures of this, and none of them was when I was crawling on the ground. But they sent it to me, like, oh, that's cool. So I sent it to some, to some Christian friends and some pastor friends. I got an interesting comment. Why would you do that? I don't know, actually, I'm like, well, maybe it was like, oh, why would you do that? Like, what's going on with that? That sounds cool. Like, you, you can't really get emotion out of text. I'm like, well, you know, it was a, it was a good cause with some great people. And he's like, oh, well, if I was in your position, I would never humiliate myself like that. <laughs> well, you know, whoa, whoa, humiliate? Is that the word you use? You meant humble, right? There's a difference between humiliation and hum humility. There's a difference. Jesus going into the room to wash his disciples' feet. Peter took it as an act of humiliation, of him humiliating himself. And Jesus rebuked him and said, no, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Humbling yourself to bless others. We're called to bless others. That's not humiliation. That's activating God's love in us. There was a great thing I heard uh, at the beginning of the year. One of our members in here said he's going to jump out of a plane for his 90th birthday with a parachute. It's not, it's over! I made it this far. No, it's not one of those. He's right over here, Mr. Lloyd Farrar. So here's this in play. Lloyd is blessed to be turning the age he is and to be living the life he's living. And he's not making it about him. He's doing something to commemorate that blessing, but he's making it an opportunity to bless others. As he goes down all those feet, he's raising money for other people. That's, I'm blessed, so I'm going to bless others in action. That's live, that's real, that's happening. Want more info? Talk to Lloyd about it. 
I will not be jumping out of a plane. If you pay. <laughs> oh, the arrows. The arrows. Oh, see, this means that, this means that you're listening. Because the last, the last time I gave a sermon, the only thing that people got out of the whole thing is what goes in Thai hot comes out Thai hot. <laughs> It was a good sermon. Whatever else happened, let's put it this way. When you put the word of God into you, the word of God comes out of you. Ooh, that, take it off me for a second. When we renew our focus on loving God's people, it begins to become intentional in our lives. And when it becomes intentional in our lives, it begins to transform our relationships. And when it transforms our relationships, it begins to transform our environment. And guess what? It begins to transform us. So I'm a very practical person. I want to give you some practical applications for how to bless others. Some thoughts to trigger something. You see a need, you meet a need. I got a call from my wife the other day and she said, you would not believe what happened. I'm like, oh, what did they do? <laughs> Who's on fire? She's like, no, I went to go pick up our oldest from, the, from school. I came home and the kitchen was clean. The floor was swept, and swept well. You know, sometimes when children sweep, it's not really well. That's just personal opinion, OCD. And she said, on top of that, the trash was taken out. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. Lord, he's almost trying to give me a heart attack. Our oldest son saw the need and wanted to bless his parents, so he took action, and he did that. There was no money involved. There was no coercement involved. There was no requirement. There was like, hey, now that I did this. It's just an opportunity to bless. Here's another thought. Give, some, give someone a kind word. Sometimes we, we're authors of criticism and judgment. The spiritual gift of criticism does not exist in the Bible. We're supposed to be authors of speaking life to one another. So speak a kind word to someone today. Give a random gift. Do an act of service. There's uh, someone sitting in this room, almost in this room, and they're blessing people on a regular basis. Every Sunday, except for today, our children's ministry has to tear down. And they're emotionally spent. They get here early. They have to set up. They have to do the, all the classes. Then they have to tear down. But now this person saw the need and said, you know what? I'm going to do an act of service. And they're helping them tear down. Huge blessing. Offer a hug or a high five to someone you know. Don't just walk around, hey, I'm a hug machine. <laughs> High fives. High fives you can do that. Hugs, mm, make sure you know. And then, you know, for everybody else, junior hires, senior hires, it's appropriate hugs. It's one of the side hugs. But that human touch, let someone know you care. A little pat on the back, a high five. Let someone know I'm thinking about you. I'm concerned. I'm here for you. We all need to renew our commitment to God's people. We need to keep meeting together. We need to keep fellowshipping together. We need to keep encouraging each other. You know why? Because everybody wins when we do it. Everybody wins. So in your bulletin, who's got a bulletin? In the back, there's some sermon notes. And it says, who will I bless? Take an opportunity. Start thinking about that. Who are you going to bless? Who are you going to go forth and bless? Well, this brings us to our third point. Renewing our commitment to God's commission. And this is going to come out of the last chapter of Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, starting in verse 18 and 19. 
And I want to look at this chapter because here's Jesus after his death, after his resurrection, speaking the last time to his disciples. And he says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is setting this up. He's saying, you've seen the miracles. You've heard the words. You've seen the power of God in me. You've seen I was crucified, died, and buried, and resurrected, and here I am now, and I'm telling you, all authority in, all, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, in verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The imperative in this verse is making disciples. As you go about your day, wherever you work, live, or play, make disciples. If you're committed to a, to, to a group, if you're going out to school, if you're at the club, or you're at the store. Now, when I say club, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking that club, maybe. I'm talking like golf club, tennis club, polo club, whatever it is. Making disciples is the emphasis wherever we go. Can you imagine that? When I first became a Christian, the emphasis was on, all you ever heard, like the emphasis was, hey, we need to reach Gen Xers. Gen X, Gen X, Gen X. Some of you don't even know what Gen X is. Like, what's Gen X? Gen X, Gen X, Gen X. Hey, Gen X, Gen X are into skateboarding, so let's put a, a half pipe in the back of the church. Oh, they love rock climbing. Let's get a rock climbing wall. Someone said, yeah, we could still do that. Put, put that in the connection card. I'm going to send it straight to Pastor Steve. <laughs> But lo and behold, after a certain amount of time, you didn't hear about Gen X anymore. It's Gen Y. Gen Y. Millennials is what we call them. Millennials. We need to be focusing on millennials. We need to focus on what they like, what they want, where they're at, what they're feeling. We need to focus on millennials. Millennials, millennials, millennials. Then I went to seminary. I went to seminary with a lot of millennials. I'm a Gen Xer. And there was, it, wasn't, it was more of an unspoken, but it was definitely a perception that if you were going into ministry and you weren't a millennial and you weren't going to support other millennials, that you really had no purpose in ministry. Like, that's not where we're going, guy. Read the books, look at the blog, the internet's full, millennial, millennial. Well, lo and behold, boom! Gen, y, Gen Z hits college. Oh, uh-oh. Gen Z, Gen Z, the Gen Zs are coming. Prepare. What happened to Gen Y? What happened to Gen X? Where's everybody? No, Gen Z. Blogs are going to come out. Books are going to be published. Podcasts are going to be pouring from our eyes and ears. It's going to be amazing. There's going to be articles written about it. Let's cut right through it. I'm going to ginsu this right here. It's not about Gen Z. Sorry, guys, ladies. It's not about Gen Y. Sorry, Gen X. It's not about boomers. So you say, oh. If you're, but if you're a GI, I salute you. Thank you for being here today. But it's not about that. It's about Gen D. Oh, the digital generation. That's so, that's so invigorating. Wow. No. Not digital. A generation of disciples. This scripture, Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, is calling us 
to make disciples, a generation of disciples. Doesn't matter the age, it doesn't matter the stage, it doesn't matter the height, it doesn't matter the color, it doesn't matter the opinion. We're supposed to be making disciples. Generation D. There's a couple in this church, in this room actually, I'm not going to call them out. They're about making Generation D. They're in their 70s and 80s. And I've seen them bring tons of people to this church from 20s to 70s. They're not looking for YZ or X or Q or P. They're looking for Generation D. They're saying, God's word is my authority. God's people, I'm to love. And I'm called to make disciples. So I'm going to start talking to people. I'm going to start praying for them. I'm going to start inviting them to my house. That's my personal space. I'm going to start loving my neighbor. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't even know my neighbor. Start loving my neighbor. I'm going to start having Bible stuff. I'm going to start praying for them. I'm going to start having meals with them. I'm going to invite them to church. I'm going to invite them to a Christian event. I'm going to give them a podcast. Why? Because they're making Generation D. A generation of disciples. Can you imagine? This room is packed right now. Look around. No, it was, it was actually a command. Go look around. <laughs> Feel free. Take your eyes off me for a second. Then come right back to me. Imagine if every person in this room said, I'm going to pick one person, one family, and I'm going to be intentional about making them a disciple. I'm going to take them to coffee. I'm going to take them to the movies. I'm going to take them to a meal. I'm going to invite them into my house. I'm going to invite them to meet my family. I'm going to invite them to meet my friends. I'm going to be intentional about making Generation D wherever I work, live, or play. Can you imagine? Let's say there's 200 people in this room right now. 200 people did that kingdom of God would explode here. And that's what God's telling us to do. When we renew our commitment to his word, when we renew our commitment to his people, there's no formula. Renewing your commitment to his disciples and his commission, that's just going to fall in your lap. You don't need to get a book. You don't need to get, you just need to start being intentional about people. And then God will take care of the rest. Can you imagine that? To leave nothing incomplete and practical application for everything. Grab your bulletin. Grab a pen. It says, who will I intentionally, it says teach. That's a typo on my part. Who will I intentionally reach? If somebody wants to disciple me in typing, please come see me after the service. Spell check some. Teach is actual word, so spell check one word. <laughs> but who am I going to reach? Who am I going to bless? I'm going to invite the band back up, and I'm going to give us an opportunity. I have the people written down that I'm going to bless. I have the people, the family that I'm going to be intentional about. When they need something, I'm going to offer it. If I have the capability, I'm going to give it. If they need something, I'm going to be there. If they need babysitting, they need food, they need water, whatever it is, I'm going to be intentional. Because I want to make a generation of disciples. So let's take 15 to 30 seconds. Jot that down. You want to put it... On your prayer request card, your commitment card, write them down and throw it in the basket when the ushers come by. This is our opportunity to impact the kingdom of God, to renew our focus. To renew our focus on his kingdom. So take that time.
Lord, I pray for each of us this morning that you would help us to assess where we're at with your word, with your people, Lord, with your commandment to tell the world about you and spend time with people and invest in relationships so that they would see a people of hope and be attracted to it and long for it and ultimately find that it's found in you. And I thank you that you can use the 90-year-old and the 90-year-old in this world to do that. That you are a God that transcends time and age and space and ethnicity and socioeconomic status and zip code and area code. And you're interested in hearts and souls. So, would you renew that in me and in this church and these people this morning to maybe take the step to place hope in you for the first time? To lay aside agendas and preferences to be about your kingdom this morning. Oh God, with that vision of 300, 200 people just being about you and being about a generation of disciples, would you make that a reality so that you would transform La Jolla and UTC and San Diego and the world to give you that? Would you answer that prayer? We're going to continue on our worship now. We're going to invite ushers to come forward for a time of tithe and offering. This is for those who call LJCC their home. If you are a guest, please feel no obligation to give, but watch the body of Christ respond in worship and in awe. And many of you give in various ways, but those who came to give specifically, joyfully, not reluctantly this morning, this is your opportunity to do that. If you did fill out a prayer request form or a connect card, please put it in the basket as it's passed. And let's continue our worship through song. No. 
worship. Thank you, Ian, for that great message. And before you go, if there's anything that God has put on your heart that you want prayer about, a name, a person, a situation in your own life, uh, go right around the corner. There's a beautiful, beautiful garden. It's a prayer garden. And there's somebody there who will have a, a, a moment to have a prayer with you. So just walk up and say, I want prayer about whatever. And they will uh, probably put their hand on you and say, Lord, we pray about this. You might walk, have walked in here deeply depressed today. Maybe you walked in here so anxious and, and uptight about a big decision or a new new chapter in your life. Maybe you're so excited because everything is going so well and you want to thank God. Go around the corner and let us pray with you. Then come back next week. Uh, this is the last uh, of our summer series. We talked about being refreshed and about being renewed. Uh, and that's super important during the summer. But come fall, it's time to pursue. Uh, some of you are going off to college. You're going to pursue some great things, some big visions, some wonderful new opportunities. Maybe you're pursuing a new job. Uh, some of you I know. Some of you are pursuing a new relationship. Uh, when you pursue things, it's, especially when you launch it on Labor Day, it might sound like a big grind, a lot of work. Really what it is, it's what energizes us. Whatever you pursue will shape you. It will determine your identity. It will influence how you see yourself, the Lord, and everything in this world. It'll determine how you deal with the challenges and adversities or the opportunities and, and all the blessings in life. So we're going to talk about pursuing things. Come back next week and launch into the fall with us. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord, who loves you more than you can ask or even imagine, give you everything you need to walk in newness and fullness of life with him one day at a time, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.